if you're trying to market yourself or your business on social media, there's so much noise. There's so many screaming heads. There's so much information. The algorithms are working against you. And oftentimes it feels like you're just underwater. And so that simple statement of instead of trying to to push through the crowd, what if you just went around it? What I want to share is that I believe in humanity. I believe in our extraordinary intelligence and our extraordinary capacity to create and collaborate. And if I could do anything to support others in believing in themselves, then I feel like I will have done my job. Hello, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen. This is Nishant and welcome to the Nishant Garg Show. I am on a mission to help you live mindful days and my job on the show is to invite the world-class experts to extract the practices, routines and habits to help you live a fulfilled and abundant life. Mental fitness is the new physical fitness and how we get mentally fit is now the hottest ticket in wellness and performance. That is where my today's guest Kara Bradley steps in. Kara is a mental fitness coach and she has spent three decades training high performers including CEOs and elite athletes to work and play in optimal states of flow using science-backed practices and protocols. In 2020, she was nominated as one of Mindful Magazine's 12 powerful women in the mindfulness movement. Her best-selling book, On the Verge, Wake Up, Show Up and Shine was featured on Oprah.com. You can find her trainings featured on wellness brands including Insight Timer, Muse, Happyfy, Will Concepts, Mindful Magazine, and most recently, Round Glass. In this episode, Kara goes deep into explaining peak performance secrets, how to work and play in optimal states of flow, what is slow cycle, gut-brain connection, how to reset and recover, and much, much more. Without further ado, please enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Kara. Kara, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Nishant. It's great to be here. It's great to be here with you as well. So it's the morning time. And so, Kara, what did you have in the breakfast? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I practice intermittent fasting. So generally, I don't have breakfast till about 11, but I do have my coffee in the morning. So that I've had. What kind of coffee? Just regular American coffee with half and half. I'm a pretty simple gal. I, I've tried all the fancy stuff and the bulletproof and this and that, but I just like a good old cup of American coffee. Do you add sugar in that? No, no sugar. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us more about the intermittent fasting. So how many hours do you fast before you eat your next meal? Yeah, I try to practice. It's pretty standard 16-8. So it means that you go 16 hours before you break your fast. So if you eat dinner about seven, then it's usually about 11 or 12, gets you to about 16 hours. And it just allows your body to take a break and your digestion. You know, we, we spend so much energy digesting food. So if your body doesn't have to focus on digesting food, it can repair and heal in other ways. So it works for me. I don't do it every day. I'm not really orthodox about 
anything besides just living fully. Uh, so I try to practice moderation and not be too strict on any any practice. What have you gained from intermittent fasting? What changes have you seen in your personal life? I think I have more energy. I have more energy, especially in the mornings. It's my most creative time. And I, I do spend most of the early morning to mid-morning getting my most important tasks done, those MITs. And, you know, as they say, you want to eat the ugly frog first. So <laughs> I try to eat the ugly frog, that that big project, that that thing that is like always nagging at your mind. I try to get that kind of stuff done. And I just find that being light and feeling light in my body, it's helpful for me to stay in that creative mode. What time do you wake up in the morning? Well, it's interesting you ask that, Nishant, because my husband and I used to get up between 4 and 4.30 for years. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I wrote my book between 4.30 and 9.30. And, and so I was really very consistent with that. And then the pandemic hit, <laughs> and, and we found ourselves starting to turn off the alarm clock and just letting our bodies wake up naturally. And so now it's usually between five and six. And I have to tell you, I feel a lot better. I think just getting that extra hour of sleep has been remarkable for, again, healing and balancing and cleansing. So, you know, I look back and I'm like, how did I do that for so many years? So Kara, how many hours do you sleep now? I try to get eight hours, but it's usually between seven and eight. Sometimes it's a little over eight, but I tr do really try to get that eight hours because we've learned so much about sleep in the last few years and the research behind sleep that I think it was the gentleman who wrote the book, Why We Sleep. He's a, a British doctor. And he said, Matthew, something. He said, you know, we're fooling ourselves if we think that we can get on or get by with less than eight hours. But the research really does tell us that our we are at our optimized state when we've had several days of eight hours of sleep. What advice would you give to somebody who thinks sleeping is not for me? Yeah, I would say give it a try. Because I was pushing the limits and pushing the boundaries and thought I could, you know, get more done and all that kind of, you know, sort of badass mentality. But when I really started to experience sleep, you know, there's nothing like waking up and having your mind cleared. And what we're learning is that in REM is really this like, it's like a cleansing for your mind, that your mind is able to work through and, and clear out a lot of debris. And so you wake up with this clarity that sets you on your day like nothing else. So I would say just give it a try. Give it a try for a couple of months. Why not just be your own experiment and see how you feel? Kara, do you have any other practice in your life to cleanse your mind? Oh yeah, I've got tons of those. I, I, I've spent my life under trying to understand my mind. <laughs> I can't say I'm can't say I'm there, but I am trying. And so I have a, a slew of practices and most of them happen early morning when I first wake up. I set the direction of my day before I even get out of bed with some intentions. 
And my intentions aren't, you know, I want to do this. I want to get this done. They're not goal oriented. What I try to do, what I do is to sit with myself and allow myself to experience the qualities of being that I'd like to embody during the day. So for instance, most often my my intentions are to experience vitality and vigor, to experience abundance and generosity, and to experience positivity out there, I just, just to be a light in the world. So before I get out of bed, I set my mind in that direction. Because if we don't set our mind, we will have we will be at the beck and call of the world, the outer world. So we want to be able to, I want to be able to be in con- control, and I use that word lightly, of, of the direction of my mind instead of allowing the circumstances of the outer world, which I have no control over, to dictate where my mind goes. So that's an important practice for me and something I adopted just in the last few years. And then I always do some type of meditation practice. And I have many different types of meditation practices that I'll explore in the morning and then some type of breath work and then some journaling. And then I'm off, off to the races. (laughs) I would love to ask you, you mentioned about setting intention. So you work on this setting intention practice while in your bed? Yeah, yeah. And then you wake up and you do some meditation. You also said that you have many meditation practices. Could you suggest some of the practices that you have? Yes, of course. We can, sometimes I'll just sit with a very simple mindful meditation practice. I use the Muse. The Muse is a a brain sensing headband that sometimes I'll put that on just to see what my brain waves are like. And so that's a very simple meditation practice. They have some guided practices. I actually have done some guided practices for them. I also practice non-dual awareness practices, which is a little bit deeper, a little more advanced. I practice also some deity practices, which is a Vajrayana. So getting more into the the Tibetan Buddhism sect, I'll practice some deeper, more consciousness expanding practices. So, but I don't, like I said before, I don't hold strict to anything. I sense into where I'm at in the morning and what's going to best serve me to help me walk into my day most awake and aware. How did you get started in meditation practice in your life? Well, as an athlete, as a young athlete, I was a competitive figure skater, and then I was a competitive runner. I had a lot of time in my own head and in my body, and I became aware of how my body and mind either work together or didn't work together. And so as a young athlete, I had no tools. I just had my own experience to play with. And I remember when I was 20 years old, I had a a real life-changing experience on a track during my last 800 race. And I experienced myself in flow. I didn't know it at the time, but I vividly remember 
having no thoughts, having just this incredibly intense sensory experience of my body and having no fear. And I, after that race where I, I absolutely smashed my personal record, I wanted to know more. I wanted to know what happened and I wanted to be able to recreate it. And so I went on a search. That was the beginning of my hero's journey in many ways. And I went on a search of practices and disciplines that would allow me to experience that on demand so that I wasn't just waiting until my very last race or a very big moment in my life. I was actually able to train. And so what I found was yoga and meditation. And that began my journey of those practices. What did you learn from that life-changing experience? Hmm, that's a great question. I think the biggest lesson for me, and it was so profound, is that I felt more like myself than I had felt in a long, long time. Now, I was young. I was 20 years old. But what I experienced was, and I had, I had to sit with it for a while. It wasn't completely obvious to start, but it was like a remembering of how I used to feel as a child. It was a remembering of how I moved in the world without that inner critic overwhelming my experience with doubt, fear, judgment, negative self-talk. Because that was lifted in this flow state, I experienced this freedom and this just this spontaneous joy that I hadn't experienced since I was young. And that, so that lesson made me realize that this isn't just me or available to me. This is actually available to every single one of us has the opportunity to shift beyond or below or how it, whatever works for you, but to really allow ourselves to experience ourselves in this natural state of aliveness. And it's right there for the taking in every single moment of our lives. And so from that point on, I spent my time studying the body and mind and consciousness and awareness and flow states and optimized states so that I could experience it again. And in so doing, I also became motivated and inspired to share it with others as a teacher. Mm -hmm. What is the difference between flow state and optimized state? Well, the one of the definitions of flow, as Mikhail Csikszentmihalyi, who's our kind of founding father of, of optimized states, he calls flow the an optimized state of consciousness. And we can take it all the way back to Maslow, who talked about peak experience. So in many, in many ways, there is no difference. A flow is an, a spectrum of optimized states. So it's not one state. It's not a an on or on or off switch. It's a it's a spectrum of of what could be a very mellow, deep, deeply embodied experience of peace and connection with everything. It could be a heightened sensory experience of 
being on the edge of danger where your mind is completely awake. So there is a, there is a full spectrum that's available to all of us. And so there's different gateways into experiencing and accessing flow. Some people are more likely to be on, you know, scaling a mountain. Some others are, they find flow when they're in a crowd. Well, when we used to be in a crowd, but immersed in music or in, in some type of presentation. And other people find their access or their gateway deep in the woods or deep in meditation. How do you find your flow? <laughs> oh, I have so many <laughs> ways. And, and that is the delight and the joy of this journey of discovery. You know, I, over the last bunch of years, I've been studying with and working with two of our real flow experts in, in our world these days. One lives in your hometown of Austin, and his name is Jamie Wheel. And the other is Stephen Cutler, and they've written a book together on flow. And I've done a lot of study with those two gentlemen and also working with them in training other people to discover flow. So it's been so much fun because we experiment. And it, this is a beautiful community of experimenters. So we practice with different breath work. We practice with different states of physicality. We practice with deep embodiment and being in deep nature and big nature and high consequences. So we're constantly looking at this multifaceted gem of optimized experience from different, from different facets, from different angles. And so there's, there's just an infinite number of ways to experience optimized state. And, you know, honestly, Nishant, one of the ways that I experience flow is, is doing this with you is just being in communion with someone else speaking about, you know, these outer edges of our consciousness and experiences. And I find flow when I do the podcast editing. <laughs> oh, wow. I love that. So how, how it's, it's, it, are you just like sensing into what, 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 where to cut, where to pull, what to highlight? Tell, tell me. I'm curious. <laughs> you know, so when I got started with the podcast, it was challenging me. It was challenging for me to be comfortable with my own voice. Now, at this point, I enjoy my own voice. I enjoy learning from other guests. And just the flow. Sometimes it's difficult to explain that flow state. You just feel it in your mind body it's a connection it's a, it's a beautiful connection mind body spirit connection i love that yeah absolutely and that's it that's it and you have a lovely voice by the way <laughs> <laughs> thank you so kara before we move forward i would love to ask you how does your husband explain what you do for a living <laughs> that's a great question well we work together and we have worked together for many, many years as entrepreneurs, we've run businesses together. And so our work is our life and our life is our work. And it's a continuous exploration of collaboration, creativity, 
and, and, and really pushing out of boundaries of what's possible. And that's how we met. We'll, we'll be married 30 years in January. So I feel very fortunate to have a life partner that can explore this with me. And so when he's explaining what I do, he's explaining what he does as well, which is really to help people come alive and to learn how to experience their body and their brain in optimized ways. And we have several businesses, one being a a mental wellness business that we're building right now, which is based on healing the gut. And when we heal our gut, what we're learning in science, it's new science of the gut-brain connection, we can set ourselves up for more optimal living, for more clarity, more energy, more focus, less anxiety. And this is a, a big piece of my of the puzzle, not only personally, but professionally, that has just come to me in the last couple of years. It's super exciting. Have you done anything with gut healing in your personal life? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for the last couple of years, I've been understanding the microbiome and it's a new field of science. It's it's less than 10 years old and there's so much research that's that's showing how most illness is is rooted in our gut and specifically mental health issues is rooted in our gut. And that doesn't have to mean, you know, far-reaching depression and anxiety. It could mean just chronic fatigue, which is something I've experienced, adrenal fatigue. And so in discovering my own stress levels and and in healing my own, my, my myself in how I recover, hence the sleep and the breathing and and the fasting and a lot of these different things I've been experimenting with. I've also been able to help a lot of other people and the gut and our gut health and our gut brain connection is a major, major piece of how we heal ourselves mentally and physically. I'm deep in the ignorance pool of gut brain connection. Could you explain more on this part? Because if somebody wants to learn more and really wants to heal their life through gut-brain connection for our optimal well-being, how should they get started and why? Why mm. we need this? Great question. And I love talking about this. And what I'll say just to simply explain the gut-brain connection is that our bodies are mostly non-human microbes is what we're learning. We are made up mostly of bacteria and viruses. And we didn't know this until the Human Genome Project that took place a decade ago. And so now we're finding out and learning and discovering that when our gut microbiome, which houses most of these microbes and viruses, when that's out of balance, it throws all of our systems out of balance, including our mental wellness and our mental fitness is what I talk about a lot these days. And so how do we heal our gut? Well, there's a well, let's just talk about quickly how our gut gets imbalanced. Firstly, med- medication will throw our our body into imbalance. Environmental factors, poor food, which um, most of us cannot possibly eat enough diversity in our food sources because our food Sources are just not 
optimal anymore. So poor food, environment, medicine, and stress. So that just about um, brings us all into this, <laughs> this mm -hmm. equation, right, in some degree. So some of the ways that we can heal and we can start to what's called modulate the microbiome, which means to rebalance, is, is reducing our stress, is reducing the environmental stressors, is obviously avoiding medication when possible, and it's not always possible. It's improving our nutrition by eating more diversity, more diverse food. And also what, what I have found to be the real, the key factor for me is through supplementation, through natural, naturally, naturally introducing a more diverse micronutrients and, and, and bacteria probiotics into my body that can help my microbiome start to rebalance so that all the other systems, including the immune system, and our nervous system and our hormonal system, all that starts to improve when the gut microbiome is improved. And so what I believe is gonna happen, and I don't, I'm not saying this because I am an expert, but because so many experts have said it, is that the future of our well-being is really is really stored <laughs> or or it, it's sourced from our gut. And because so many of our neurotransmitters as including serotonin and dopamine and GABA and all of these feel good and motivational sources that 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 speak to our brain via these these different systems because most of them are produced and stored in the gut when we heal our gut we start to feel better and we feel happier and this has been the case for me over the last few years what are some of the imp supplementations you are using well, I, I work directly with a, a company that has created a, a specific, very targeted line of micronutrients to specifically heal the gut-brain connection. And so this company introduces specific bacteria that's been uh, clinically validated in humans to reduce the effects of stress, to alleviate anxiety, to increase focus. So some of these nutrients, including these very targeted micro or, or prebiotics and probiotics, help, the, help you to feel better. And when you start feeling better, you start to shift other things in your life, like sleep, like meditation, like like better food choice, like more movement. So these micronutrients and phytonutrients, and you can call them psychobiotics as well, really are helping us to move the needle so that we start to make other changes in our lives. So it's not a magic pill and there are no magic pills, but when we can heal one area and start to feel better in one area, it's like a domino effect. Everything starts to change. And this is why I'm so, so excited about sharing this information with other people. Because for many years, I've been teaching body practices, physical disciplines. I've been teaching mental practices and mental strength training. And now this last piece, which is the biome piece, fits, fits perfectly together for this beautiful combination of mental fitness strategies that I love talking about. So thank you for that opportunity. Uh, sure. Can we find the supplement online? 
Yeah, you just reach out to me actually is the best way to understand because I really teach the full picture. I help to support people in understanding the full the full common sense approach to wellness and and the and the mental wellness protocol that I'm talking about is a piece of the puzzle. So I like to support everybody in the full picture, which includes stress reduction, sleep hygiene, functional movement, and being out in nature and understanding nutrition. Kara, I would love to ask you that you may decide not to answer this question if you if you think that you're not comfortable. Is there any area in your life that you find most challenging to to elevate your peak performance absolutely and i'm happy to talk about it because if i can help anybody else identify their their kind of dark corners if you will then that's what that's what we're doing ram das i love his quote he said we're all just walking each other home and so by me sharing my struggles if it helps somebody else identify their struggles and that's how we walk each other home. So for me, I, I founded a yoga studio 16 years ago called Verge Yoga and it grew over 16 years to be a really a beautiful community and a beautiful business. And we created a methodology of helping people find that body-mind synchronization, that sense of body-mind unity through movement, through breath, through mindfulness. And I sold the business in December of 2019, actually December 31st. And I sold the business after 16 years of running a business. And what I've identified over the last two years is that I was living with chronic low-level stress from running a business. And it was silent right? It was, it was like an invisible gas. As a small business owner, and, and you know, I'm sure that there are small business owners listening out there, entrepreneurs, people that have started a venture, there is so much weight that you carry, even if it's a yoga business. <laughs> and here I am, you know, out there running this yoga and mindfulness business. And I've authored a book and I'm speaking, I'm out on the corporate circuit speaking about optimized states. Meanwhile, I'm living with this stress and the stress was starting to rear its ugly head in forms of interrupted sleep, weight gain that I'd never experienced, brain fog, irritability, heart palpitations, and I'm doing all everything right. You know, I'm meditating, I'm practicing yoga, I'm doing all these optimizing practices, yet there was this invisible gas running through me. And because of the work that I was doing, it was hard for me to talk about. It was hard for me to talk about even to my family. And I think that there are I would sense that there are a lot of us wellness experts, and I'm doing the air quotes, that are suffering from the stress of running a business, having employees, having rent, 
you know, having um, to deal with the just everyday pressure of having to perform. And yet, if we're not able to talk about our mental health issues, we shove them down as I was doing, and they were festering in me. And so just even in the last year and a half, as I've started to address my microbiome, I've been able to identify these areas and make big changes in these areas. So I love talking to high performers and optimizers and hackers and type A's like me, (laughs) and I put myself in that class, (laughs) about identifying really identifying and exposing the stress that you're living with because it's not healthy. What was causing your stress and mental issues in your business? Well, it's everyday common stress. I had at any one point 40 employees. I had a business that was closed one day a year, Christmas Day. A, a business that was opened from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. seven days a week. So just that alone, that need to be on, was creating this low-level agitation, right? The low-level anticipation of the call, of the text, something went wrong, someone didn't show up, some you know, customer is complaining, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it happens in any business. You know, just because it's a yoga business doesn't mean it's all roses. So just even that created low-level stress. And then it was just the intensity of having a lot of competition over the last 16 years, this uh, influx of these industrialized fitness businesses. I'm not going to name them, but we had like massive 100,000 square foot gyms open up on uh, either side of us, basically, in the last couple of years. So that intensity, and it's stressful. It's absolutely stressful. The stressful being the stress of being out there as an author and a speaker, you know, it, it was a lot for me. And being a parent and all the other things. <laughs> you have mentioned about your book, and I would like to say the book name, On the Verge, Wake Up, Show Up, and Shine. And in this book, you have one practice called Sky Gazing. Can you talk about this practice? Mm, I love sky gazing. I'm so glad you brought that up, Nishant. Sky gazing is a practice I learned from my meditation teacher, Scott McBride. I still, I still do weekly classes because there's so much mind-expanding, heart-expanding work for me to still do. And sky gazing comes out of Tibetan Buddhism, and it is a way of expanding your consciousness by just simply sitting or standing or walking and finding finding your own piece of sky. So you can do it looking out the window. You bet preferably you're outside and you allow your awareness, your visual sense to expand. And a lot of times it's coupled with the breath. So you could inhale the expansiveness of what you're seeing and exhale struggle, tension, worry. Inhale, you pull in this 
beautiful, expansive, open sky and allow it to fill you, allow it to open you up even more and exhale anything that is holding you down, pulling you down, making you struggle. You don't have to identify it in name, you can, but it truly is giving yourself the opportunity to allow the sky and the limitlessness of the sky to work its way into you, to help you not feel so constricted and small. And it only takes a few minutes if you like. And I love to do it every day. I love to get myself a little bit of sunshine every day and just sit and if I if it's sunny out, just sit and allow the sun in the sky to heal me, to work its way through me. You know, we don't have to do this on our own. So often, you know, we feel like Sisyphus, uh, you know, pushing the rock up the hill over and over every day, every day, I got to push this rock up the hill. But we have the resources of nature, of the sky, of the air, of each other, of food, of quiet, of stillness, of movement, of music, all of these beautiful opportunities and, and facets of this gem to, to help us to work us instead of us always having to work. Do you feel that we are living in a grinding mentality culture? <laughs> yes, and that's an <laughs> understatement. <laughs> Absolutely. But you know, here, we're still in the pandemic, still not out of COVID. I feel like so many of us have found simple ways to enjoy life again. So that is the silver lining. I did a Facebook post a couple of weeks ago, and I just asked, what is one of the positive habits that's come out of COVID for you? Oh my God. The response was just extraordinary. And it was what I heard or what was written was mostly simple, free, natural habits like, you know, more movement, more sleep, more reading, more cooking, more music, more connecting. It was just beautiful. I loved it. And it was from every walk of life. And we're finding our way back to the simple, the free, the obvious, the available opportunities to connect into source. So yes, we live in a grinding society. But, but having this, you know, this stay at home enforced on us has hopefully allowed us and will hopefully allow us to continue to lean into those very natural ways of, of connecting into who we are and how to heal. Yes. Kara, so elevating our performance and getting to the peak performance state is one thing and sustaining that performance for a long time is another thing. So how can we sustain that performance? It's it, The graph should not be zigzag. It's, it's got to be sustainable, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic question. And I 
I'll give you the answer, but in saying, in, in, in offering you the answer, it doesn't mean that I've got it down. I still work with it very much. So in the flow world, we talk about the flow cycle. And this is what Stephen talks about and Jamie talks about and Check Set Me High talks about is flow being an optimal state of consciousness where we feel and perform our best is a wonderful thing to strive for and to practice, but we can't sustain it. We can't sustain, we can't scale the mountain for 24 seven. And we've got to come down and recover or we'll fall in and that'll be the end of it. So understanding the flow cycle is, is crucial for being optimal or being a high performer over time. And the flow cycle has four components. And the first one is generally struggle. So we generally find ourselves agitated, uneasy, unsure, uncertain before a breakthrough. And so there's nothing wrong with struggle. In, in fact, it's often called eustress, EU stress, which is good stress. We've got to push the boundaries. You know, it's my book on the verge is about that. It's about recognizing ripe opportunities in life when you, when you are challenged, when you are right there at the edge of what your, what your potential, what, your, what you have the potential to do. And when we recognize, oh, this is struggle right now. I'm in struggle with this particular problem or with this project. Then you can allow yourself to sit in the struggle we, we don't always realize it until we're kind of halfway through. It's like, oh, crap, this is struggle. And usually when we recognize the struggle soon after, we will have that release. That we will just release the struggle. We'll release the complexity, the complexity of the problem. We'll let go. We'll go take a nap. You know, they, they often say that Einstein discovered or had these big insights not when he was at the desk with pen and paper, but when he was napping or in the shower, right? I often have the shower insights or when you are, you know, cooking, chopping carrots. It's like, oh my God, there's the answer. So that's the release. So we have the struggle and the working through. And sometimes we have to just let go of the complexity and go do something else. Then we have that release. Which is tough. Oh, yeah. It's tough, to, it's tough to get yourself to do, especially if you're type A like me, because we want to push and grind, you know, ourselves to the ground. Do you feel that way sometimes? All the time. Yeah. Yeah. So noticing and having the, having enough awareness to recognize the struggle and to let yourself let go and just stop and go do something else. Go for a run, wash your face, you know, go eat something, just go cook a meal. You know, walk the dog. And it's a practice. It's a practice, constant practice to cultivate every day, every time. And we need to develop some awareness that, okay, we are stuck into this thing and we are not having any creative solutions. So let's take a break. Even if it is five minutes break, I can speak for myself. Yesterday, I was taking two minutes nap, three minutes nap, just to, mm. just to break the pattern. That's right. Well, you got it. You got it, Nishant. You're you're on it. And sometimes the release is longer, and sometimes it's it's two minutes. It's just stepping away, and then there's the flow, and the flow is the, is the rush. It's the rush of insight. It's the rush of strength. 
It's the rush of connectivity. You know, when, 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 when apples and oranges and the things that the lateral thinking comes online and, and we start to see patterns that we didn't see before in the struggle, all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, if I do this and this, well, then that will work right? It's the creative patterns. It's the, and, and it happens physically. It happens mentally. It happens even beyond the mind when mind and body are connected. And all of a sudden we're making moves physically that we've never made before. And we know what to do at the exact right time. We know what to say at the exact right time. We know how to connect. I mean, this is optimized. And so that's the flow. And so here's the big part. And this is my work after the flow, we need to recover. The recovery phase is when our body comes back into coherence. It's actually when we start, we heal, we've used up, we've used up the serotonin. We've used up all these neurotransmitters. Our body needs to reproduce them. There's not, there's not just an endless store. We actually need to recover right? Our muscles need to recover. We need to sleep. We need to take three days off. This recovery phase is where... Three days in a weekend? Three days in a week? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes we need massive recovery. Sometimes it's a sabbatical, right? It's a vacation or, uh, you know, a half a day. But, but knowing that there needs to be recovery time built into your life, because if there isn't a shot, then you're going to find yourself like me, like I was with this adrenal fatigue that was affecting my immune system, my weight, my energy, my sleep, my ability to focus and connect with others, my mood. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't a pretty picture. But I wasn't recovering. I was grinding it out, like you said. I can, I can definitely relate to this recovery and in last eight months i can say that on the weekends i never execute anything i just think just think write think repeat whatever ideas come i will just write it down and just letting it flow and not working on any idea keeping the weekdays to work on it weekend is just for thinking beautiful so there's the allowing for the emergence to have its way with you in a lot of ways, the emergent intelligence to come through you and you, you may write it down, but not act on it. The acting comes during the weekday. Is that right? Yes. And reviewing your notes, going yes. back, what you wrote down five months ago, sometimes it's easy to forget the main ideas. And when we go back, then we realize, okay, this is a great idea that I have never executed. Let me try this. Let mm. me try this hypothesis. Interesting. Yeah. Love it. That's a great cycle to work with. And Kara, so what books have inspired you the most or what books have you gifted the most? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a great book. Tao Te Ching, for, for sure is always, I'm always going back to it. I'm not a study of Taoism, but I'm not a student, I would say, but I guess I am. I mean, I haven't studied it formally yet, but uh, there's something about that and Wu Wei, just the, you know, natural flow, allowing for the natural flow of life 
an effortless effort of life to to move us. I think, boy, would there be a lot more joy and happiness in our world. So that's not answering your question, but sort of. Tao Te Ching is a Chinese philosopher for, for the listeners who may not be aware of that. Please go ahead. Yes, yes, thank you. Well, that's such a that's an interesting question. Lately, the book I've been gifting a lot is The Gut Mind Connection by Dr. Emrin Mayer, because he was one of the first researchers to put a book out about the specific connection between our gut and our brain. And that's a it's a mind-blowing book. If you don't know anything about the gut-brain connection, it's a great place to start. So I've gifted that most often in the in the last couple of years. But some of the books that I go back to and I read and reread and reread a lot are the books by Chogum Trumpa Rinpoche, The Sacred Path of the Warrior for me has been just a go-to, highlighted over and over again. And it's a very simple introduction to meditation from really the, the, one of the top teachers from Tibet that has brought this, the, the Tibetan Buddhism to the US. And he was the teacher of my teacher. And so I find that to be, and it's a re- easy read for anybody, and it's profound. It's one of my root root books. I have a lot of, well, not a lot. I have a handful of books. I call them my root sources. And then I love to read. I'm just looking at my book stack, and I'm reading The Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday, another guy from Austin, actually. Yeah, um, <laughs> I've been following him. Yeah, he's great. And I'm reading another book called The Healthy Deviant by my friend Pilar Gerasimo, which is about about common the common sense approach to wellness. We need to take our health into our own hands because we are a sick society. And I love her approach. It's so practical, but very direct and a, a little a little radical a little radical in her. I just I, I love her radical radical simplicity, I guess I would say. All right, you mentioned about the book Daily Stoic, and I yes. I'm a believer in the stoicism. I read stoicism here and there. So, yes. What do you have any favorite exercise from a stoicism philosophy? Yeah, one thing I remember reading in The Obstacle Is the Way, also by by Ryan Holiday. He talked about I, I guess he was I, I don't remember which of the Stoics he was mentioning, but it is this idea of intro this idea of instead of trying to move through the crowd, look to move around it. I mean, it's so Mm -hmm. simple and it was so profound for me because so many of us, including myself, struggle to get ourselves out there, right? If you're trying to market yourself or your business on social media, there's so much noise. There's so many screaming heads. There's so much information. The algorithms are working against you. And, you know, oftentimes it feels like you're just underwater. And so that simple statement of instead of trying to to push through the crowd, what if you just went around it? And so I'm always looking for that way around you know, doing the opposite, what everybody's doing, yes. try to yes. do the opposite. Exactly. 
How would you describe that? I'm curious because if you've studied some stoicism, is that how you would you you read that is just to do the opposite of what everybody else is doing? In some ways, in one way I will say that just trust yourself and before we go into the stoicism I will say that one one quote from Bhagavad Gita which is Hindu holy book mm-hmm. what is meant to be yours will be yours you will get it everything at the right time just keep efforting don't worry about the results we all know about this but how do we remind ourselves how do we practice this that don't worry about the outcomes just keep working on what you love and passionate about the most mm. things will happen at the right time and working around the crowd is that we don't have a control on the crowd for instance we are doing this podcast recording in this one hour i am taking the control i'm trying to navigate this conversation because i can take control on this conversation to some extent but how this podcast may turn out is out of my control so i practice not to be attached to the outcome how many listeners how many downloads are going to happen how many people are going to share i don't have any control on that my job is to create a master class that stands the test of time and i enjoy this experience i build relationships just enjoying the process and stoicism says that there is a lot of noise in the world there is a lot of noise you know just find handful of mentors and teachers that you really become die hard fans of and i am die hard fans of handful of people in my life that i whatever i do whatever they say whatever they sell or anything i'm their follower so my intention is that how can i create those die hard fans even if they are 50 die hard fans and i'm doing this podcast only for those 50 200 die hard fans i don't know who they are who they are but this is for them because i'm not trying to beat the market i'm trying to carve out my own path and this is my path i'm staying in my own lane and every lane connects to the main destination of this whole universe this is how i see this i love that i love that that's awesome thank you <laughs> long answer no i love that so can i ask you what who are those main teachers for you the one teacher that comes to my mind is dr wayne dyer ah, life yeah. changer i started following him 3 years ago when i was struggling so bad in every area of my life not financially financially i have been super abundant since i was 23 financially i've never had any problem But emotionally mentally i was so much struggling 3 years ago i had a bad breakup and i just didn't know and another guy is coach cory wayne he talks about life philosophy he talks about relationships and then tony robbins and tim ferris <laughs> i relate to people who who are like me i'm highly introverted that i can literally copy paste their strategies into my life sometimes we may not have to reinvent the wheel just just observe what everybody is doing when i go onto social media i go with this observant mind okay what everybody is doing if i do the opposite one approach is that one strategy and i i use that a lot every day i love it for instance if somebody is posting a good content on the social media 
and if they're getting 100 200 comments i i will i will avoid posting a comment on that unless i have a deep human connection with that person i will find a post to comment on which has very less number of comments such as 5 10 or 20 so that i'm visible otherwise i'm just lost in the crowd interesting this is because a lot of people just like the post when you comment genuinely comment on somebody's post then we create this connection you are you are going one step further whenever i connect with anybody on linkedin or instagram or anywhere i i make sure that i send them a thank you message mm. it's about deep human connection and nothing else matters when there is a connection there is a trust you don't have to sell anything yes you don't Thanks. have to, this is what i do it every over and over over and over <laughs> well, you're doing it well you're doing it well great kara so before we end this conversation i would love to ask you where can our listeners find you online well there's my website which is karabradley.net that's kara with a c.net and that really will lead you to most of my work i'm on all social media except for twitter i you know you can only do so much so instagram facebook linkedin are the three that i focus on the most and uh, and i also have a podcast and it's a daily podcast it's a short daily podcast and it's solo it's called on the verge and these are my morning messages that i offer every single day great do you have any closing thought anything that you want to share well what i want to share is that i so believe in humanity i believe in our extraordinary intelligence and our extraordinary capacity to create and collaborate and if i could do anything to support others in believing in themselves then i feel like i will have done my job thank you so much kara and thank you so much for asking me those wonderful questions <laughs> and driving me back Thank you for having Thank me. Thank you so much. Wonderful to talk to. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode today. If you did enjoy this, please subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcast or you can visit https://nishangarg.me and i s h a n t g a r g.me. You can also share this episode with your loved ones to help them live a fulfilled life. You are not alone in this journey. We all struggle in life. There is no shame in talking about it. I go through my highs and lows. I get depressed and these practices help me in living a resilient life. You can also do this. You got this. Don't judge yourself. You are doing the best you can. And thank you so much again. Thank you.